Talk Recorded live. Hello again, faithful Christians, and thank you for joining me, Pastor Visser of Covenant People's Church, for yet another look at one of Yahshua's most beloved and precious parables. I say that, dear kinsfolk, because naturally, what Yahshua taught is found mostly within his parables. That is, the girth of his ministry. And it is quite eye-opening to me how a majority of us like to delude ourselves into believing that we are some type of faithful. And no doubt we find this within modern Christendom today. The thought or the idea that we have a special position with Yahweh God. And that is one of the main reasons why I have spent so much time trying to reiterate and at least unmask many of these allegories or parables of Yahshua, because a majority of them were spoken against the faithful. Most of them were spoken against the Pharisees, because the Pharisees believed, hey, you know, I'm so special, I don't have to go around sinners. And as such, today's look at the parable of the sheep will be no different. You will see that Yahshua gave this parable this parabole's in the Greek, to illustrate the hypocrisy of man and to actually highlight his moral. And we'll, of course, get to his moral this particular Sunday evening. But before we begin, I do want to announce that this upcoming week, I will be on Yahweh's Truth, number two for the month of March. And Dr. Wickstrom and I should be discussing an awakening in South Africa. And also, for those of you who do not know yet, I will be probably next week or the week beyond that appearing live on Eurofolk Radio with one of my old friends, Andrew Carrington Hitchcock, for an interview and an in-depth look into this awakening that is happening. And as a result, if you haven't already, I'll invite you to swing by Eurofolk Radio because uh, Andrew Carrington Hitchcock has already interviewed Pastor Bob, and I believe has another second part of that interview scheduled for sometime this week as well. But without further ado, Yahshua's parable of the sheep should not be confused with his parable of the goats. And I have actually taught the parable of the goats, but they are extremely different. Both deal with judgment in a lot of regards. However, the parable of the goats deals more specifically with the unfaithful goats that are cast out by Yahshua. And that parable that I preached on February 7th of this year, we pointed out how it was Yahshua who will say to the foolish goats on his left-hand side, depart from me, I never knew you. But to the faithful sheep, he will say, enter in my faithful servant. Correct? And so, do not confuse the parable of the sheep with the parable of the goats. This parable of the sheep is oftentimes considered to be the parable of the lost sheep. And that is exactly what we are going to be discussing today in Luke's Gospel. So turn with me, if you will, to Luke chapter 15. And beginning in the very first verse, we're going to read this account. In Luke chapter 15, verse 1. Luke transcribes, it says, Then drew near unto him, that is Yahshua, all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners, and eateth with him. Now before we actually continue here in Luke, you should be able to already see the similarities most assuredly, to the sermon I preached this Wednesday evening at 7 p.m., that is, the parable of the two debtors. Because in that particular parable, it was one Simon the Pharisee who invited Yahshua to have dinner at his home. And then a sinful woman of Nain comes in, right? And Simon the Pharisee says, if this man knew what manner of woman this was that touched him, He would, you know, he would know this if he was a prophet of God. But my point with this is this. The Pharisees did not go around sinners. The Pharisees believed that they were keeping the Old Testament law perfectly. And it was Yahshua who time and time again would rebuke the Pharisees. 
And I really want you to understand this. The Pharisees of antiquity are no different than the Ashkenazi, Edomite, Pharisaical Jews that still exist today. And in that I mean that they look down their nose at those who actually do manual labor. So, it should start to make sense, this parable of the sheep, why Yahshua puts it into this allegorical term. The Pharisees murmured, and the, their scribes, saying, This man receives sinners. He eats and dines with them. But after all, it was Yahshua who said he came to call sinners to repentance, or they that are whole don't need a doctor. Correct? But the Pharisees, time and time again, would look down their nose. They would look down at prostitutes, they would look down at tax collectors, and one other occupation was looked down upon by the Pharisees. Can you take a guess what that might be? You guessed it. Being a shepherd. Therefore, Yahshua is about to go into his parable of the lost sheep. And pay close attention to his wording, and how he attributes this to the Pharisees which, of course, would have been considered blasphemous to those who look down on those who actually work labor. In short, we could say it like this. There is no new thing under the sun. While the Jew usually sits there and says he has a job, he looks down at those who truly work. There is a big difference between holding a job and truly laboring. Therefore, Yahshua begins his parable here in St. Luke chapter 15, verse 3 begins a brand new manuscript. This is the parable of the lost sheep. And the narrative says, He, Yahshua Messiah, spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness, and go after that which is lost, until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and his neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you, that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repents, more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. And so there it is, at least the entirety of Yahshua's parable of the sheep, as it is transcribed in the beginning of Luke chapter 15. And we're going to dissect this and hop around a little bit, including going over to the Gospel of Thomas to see what Doubting Thomas relayed about Yahshua's teaching here about lost sheep. But notice, he says, What man of you, speaking to the Pharisees, what man of you bringing them to the level of not being a high priest, not being looked upon as an authority, but being brought down to the level of Yahshua, the good shepherd, David, who was a keeper of the sheep. That's the first point I want you to understand. Yahshua makes no apologies by bringing the Pharisees into this allegory and saying, which one of you? Well, none of them would. That's the point. The Pharisees didn't keep sheep. And even though they stood behind the Old Testament, does not the 23rd Psalm begin on that note? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And so once again, time and time again, we see that the pharisaical mindset is to keep sinners out of the kingdom. The opposite of the will of God. The opposite. And that is extremely important. Because it is the will of God that all come to repentance. That's what Paul says. And therefore, if it is God's will that all come to repentance and God is the Savior, perhaps that explains why it was Yahweh told Adam, in the day you eat of this proverbial fruit, you'll die. And Adam lived 900 years. God is long-suffering. That is the point. The Pharisees would not go around sinners whatsoever, but they did not realize that these same sinners are what, according to this text? Lost sheep. Therefore, Yahshua says in verse 4 of St. Luke chapter 15, What man of you amongst the Pharisees and the scribes, having an hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety and the nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost? 
50% of Yahshua's parables deal with something being lost and found. And more specifically, a man, like in the parable of the pearl of great price, or the parable of the candle, and many others, putting aside and forsaking everything else to go after that which is lost. And And therefore, Yahshua can ask this question. This illustrates, first and foremost, that Yahshua was seeking the lost. And a lost sheep is a symbol, a symbol that they would recognize, the Pharisees, because a majority of those that came to the Pharisees were keeper of the sheep. But not the Pharisees themselves. In fact, the Pharisees made their living on the Word of God. They would not make their living actually keeping the sheep. And so the first point is, Yahshua says, what man of you, putting them in the position of the shepherd, which is exactly where the Pharisees should have been to begin with. And this is why Yahshua much later would say, I am the good shepherd. And time allowing, we're going to get to that. But back here in the parable, St. Luke chapter 15, he says, which one of you will not put aside these 99 to go after the one that is lost? And then in verse 5 say, and when he hath found it, layeth it on his shoulders and rejoicing. Now, that is what you should really pay close attention to, because here in a moment I'm going to prove, most assuredly, in the Gospel according to Matthew, that every parable Yahshua gives in line with this parable of the lost sheep deals with something that is lost, a man sacrificing everything else to go after that which is lost, and when he finds it, he rejoices. Remember the prodigal son? Indeed, that ties in here perfectly. So, he says, when he finds it, he lays it on his shoulders and he rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, pay close attention, for I have found my sheep which was lost. And once again, the Pharisee had deluded himself into thinking, I'm not lost. Right? He had a special position with Yahshua. Therefore, he has to give this parable of the lost sheep, meaning that the intent of Yahweh God has never changed. And his intent is that all will come to repentance and that all should come to salvation. Therefore, when Yahshua is in the home of Simon the Pharisee and there was a repentant, sinful woman, the Pharisee says, no, this person should not come around us. But yet that was the whole purpose of Yahshua's coming to seek that which was lost. And not only that, let me interject here. The Pharisees, who stood behind the law of God and professed to teach it, already knew from Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 20, that every soul that sins shall die. So what on earth are they doing coming in and trying to keep the sinful, repentant Israelites out of the kingdom? This is confirmed as well. In Romans chapter 6, verse 33, where Paul says that the wages of sin is death. The wrong mindset is to come in and say, this particular person's a sinner. I'm not going to go around them. That was what Yahshua could do, that the Pharisees would not. So, he continues, he says in verse 7, I say unto you, Pharisees and scribes, that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over 90 and 9, just persons, which need no repentance. So what are we actually discussing here in context? Repentant Israelites, much like every other parable. Parable of the goats and the sheep. Parable of the debtors. Parable of the unforgiving servant. Two classes of people. Just like Yahshua's parable of the tax collector and the Pharisee. And Lord Lord willing, we're going to get to that you know, time allowing, because that is such an integral and pivotal parable when it comes to understanding all of these others. The mindset of the Pharisee is to say, you know what, thank God I'm not like the tax collector. But there was one difference between the Pharisee and the tax collector, and that is repentance. Repentance. And so as I taught before, remember, you cannot forgive a brother that sins against you, as per the law in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, unless they are repentant. No more than Yahshua Messiah, being God in the flesh, can forgive a sheep who is lost, unless they are repentant. So what we're dealing with here is repentance. 
And just like all of the other parables, the Pharisees should have understood repentance. So he says, likewise, joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repents. Now let's really analyze that. Joy is in heaven, the kingdom itself, when every sinner, or a sinner in general, repents. Not only is it a joyous occasion, that was something that the Pharisees should have understood, right? So as opposed to going out and subjugating himself and being a separatist, they should have done everything they could do to observe the golden rule, to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, all the things that the Pharisees could not do, based on this one statement. If there is joy in heaven around the throne of God from the angels themselves over a sinful person that repents, you would think that a Pharisee would be doing everything they can do to pleasure their father, right? That all come to repentance, but yet they would not. And so we should understand throughout these parables, there was one thing usually stopping the repentant, not the sinful, from entering the kingdom, but those that were once sinful in seeking repentance. And that would be the organized religion of Yahshua's time, the Pharisees. And so it stands today. There truly is no new thing under the sun. While a majority of us say, hey, we're New Testament Christians, that's, that's, <laughs> that's Marconiism. That's not Christianity. It's just another ism in a long list of isms. And Phariseeism is just that, the idea that we are greater than sinners, therefore we will not dirty our hands. But yet, once again, how are we fulfilling the law or the will or the intent of God that is even outlined within the Mosaic law, with that mindset? We do not. And so in order to fully prove what I'm saying here in the Gospel according to Luke chapter 15, please turn with me to Matthew's Gospel in the 18th chapter. And for those of you who are just now joining, remember that I rarely send out invites because chat room. <laughs> chat room can be problematic time and time again. So just behave yourself. I'm glad some of you guys found it. But in looking at this particular parable of the sheep, we can come right back to Matthew, and it is here where we find a second witness of Yahshua's teaching here about him being the good shepherd and going after that which is lost. Now, us as preachers, we should be doing the same exact thing, going after the lost sheep of the house of Israel, because after all, they are not lost as to their geographical location, that is, within the world, but they are lost as to who they are, and most likely because of the Pharisees who come in and say, you know what, if we're accepted of, if we're accepted of God, then we have no dealings with sinners. And so let's read Yahshua's parable of the sheep in Matthew chapter 18, beginning in verse 12. Yahshua says, Yeah, and also, dear kinfolk, if any of you guys have any questions, feel free to post them in there. I asked this on Sunday's Yahweh's Truth, and there were actually a few questions, and I actually missed those. So if you have any questions about Paul Bashers, etc., go ahead and post them in there, in the chat, and I'll be able to get to them momentarily. However, in St. Matthew chapter 18, we're going to read similarly, and you will see what I'm saying, is true. Here we go. In verse 10, Joshua says, Take heed that ye despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you, that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father, which is in heaven. Where's that found? St. Matthew chapter 18, verse 10. And this is the verse that begins the lost sheep or Yahshua's parable pertaining to. But remember that in heaven the angels do behold the face of Yahweh God, and that is extremely important as well. Just last week I preached a demo reel titled Angels in Enoch, and in that I prove that one of the, cre one of the very reasons that the angels of Yahweh God were created was to sing forth glory to him, being morning stars, to sing, to, uh, sing and shout for glory and joy, and to play instruments. So now, when we read Luke chapter 15, does it make more sense that when one sinner repents, all of the kingdom of heaven, including Yahweh God and his angels, rejoice? 
is the mindset, correct? And Yahshua taught us to pray. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what on earth is with this pharisaical thought? Yahshua says, take heed you don't despise one of these little ones. And I say unto you the same exact thing. Be careful, because the moment you turn against your brother is the moment you have turned against Yahweh's children, his sons and daughters. And if that particular person that you have turned against is accepted of Yahweh God, who is the greater sinner? Who is condemned but the Pharisee? And we saw that last Wednesday, did we not? Where he tells the sinful woman of Nain in the parable of the two debtors, Go, your faith has made you whole. But to the Pharisee, he did not atone for his sins. He did not believe that he had it, anything to atone for. Therefore, Yahshua says in St. Matthew chapter 18, verse 11, For the Son of Man is come to save that which is lost. That's his explanation to the Pharisees. I came to seek that which is lost. So by logical deduction, we can already say that most likely the Israelite men, women, and children were being lost because of the Pharisees and their lying scribes. And of course I can confirm that. But that is what causes us to err as sheep. And we're going to prove that from the Old Testament time allowing. The Son of Man, Yahshua Messiah, God manifest in the flesh, came to save that which was lost. If you're not lost, Christ did not come for you. If you're not lost as to your identity, if you're not lost within a world of sin, then how can Yahshua help you? He could never help the Pharisees. Verse 12, how think ye, Yahshua asked, if a man have an hundred sheep, and one of them be gone astray, doth he not leave the ninety and nine, and go into the mountains, and seeketh after that which is gone astray? Question? Well, naturally, of course they do. Now, before we get to it, understand that in Thomas's reiteration of Yahshua's parable of the sheep, this was the biggest and the most favored, the fatling sheep. Therefore, understand that it is more about putting aside the 99 who have no need of a physician, like the Pharisees, right? And going after that one lost sheep, that one lost coin, that one lost prodigal son. And therefore, you must understand this concept. Which one of you, how do you think, if a man has 100, he's going to leave 99 at their safe and go after the one? Verse 13. And if so be that he find it, verily I say unto you, Pharisees and scribes, he rejoices more of that sheep than of the ninety-nine which went not astray. Do not see the similarities to the parable of the prodigal son. And when the older son comes out and says, hey, you killed the fattened calf for this sinful son, your youngest. And, yeah, and uh, God himself, or the husband man, says, you have been with me all along. The idea behind this is if you're a Pharisee, if you have followed the law since your birth, and you're so pious and you've worked out your salvation through the law, well, Christ doesn't need you, right? Therefore, here's the point. It is the will of your Father which is in heaven that not one, not a single one of these little ones should perish. If that is the will of Yahweh God, that not a single one of his Israelite men, women, or children come to destruction, and we know that to be the truth, right? Because his will is that all come to salvation, salvation and repentance. <laughs> if that be the key, the Pharisees did not do that. And therefore, Yahshua had to explain in this manner. Even so, God's will is that all men be saved, right? First Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, John chapter 3, verse 16, right? You've heard that since time immemorial. All who meet his terms will be saved, but all who do not will not be saved. And therefore, here's the point with the majority of Yahshua's parables. Why they were spoken against the Pharisees who deluded themselves into thinking they were better than the very class that Yahshua came to save Yeshua usually would leave them alone as the blind leaders of the blind that they are. Why? Isaiah chapter 6, verse 9, in fulfillment of the prophecy of why Yeshua would speak in parable form. It's not for them to understand. It was for the sinful woman of Nain to understand in last Wednesday's 
study. It was for the builders who built upon the good rock to understand, not those who built upon the sand. Therefore, it was not for the Pharisees to understand, because they should have understood all along. Verse 14, it is not the will of your father, Yahweh, which is in heaven, that even one of these little ones should perish. So that, my friend, is a very important trait of the snake in my book, because all we really need to do is pay attention to who spends a majority of their time attacking their brothers and sisters. Those that may be accepted of Yahweh God. Right? And so it stands. Here in Luke, Yahshua says that. But let me point out, or uh, in Matthew, but let me point out a few more things here about Matthew chapter 18. In Matthew, Matthew chapter 18, Yahshua begins with his sermon on discipleship. And it is at the beginning of chapter 18 where the disciples come and they say, Who is the greatest in the kingdom? This is something that can creep into our vernacular even today, wanting to be something great within the kingdom. And I suppose there's nothing truly wrong with that, wanting to have a special relationship with God, wanting to fulfill his golden rule. But what does any of that avail you if it blinds you to doing? Doing. And so the disciples come to Jesus and they say, who is the greatest in the kingdom? And Yahshua goes through. This parable of the lost sheep, beginning in verse 11, right? But then he goes into the law of forgiveness. And the law of forgiveness says this. How often should I forgive my brother that sins against me? And I forgive him. This is Peter. And he says, till seven times. And Jesus say unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but unto seventy times seven. Now, I've already preached this, and these numbers, 7 and 70 times 7, tie directly into Cain and Lamech, the world's first two murderers. But the way of man, and most assuredly the way of the Pharisee, is to come in and put a limit on grace. And there is no limit on the grace that Joshua extends, so much so that in the last parable that we covered last Wednesday night, in the parable of the debtors, that was Joshua's sole intent to get the Pharisee Simon to see the world through his eyes, not his own eyes, because of us walking around saying we're better than this person, we're better than that person, and this person's a Jew, and this person doesn't think just like me, is sowing discord, and Yahweh hates it. Bottom line, it shouldn't take me to point that out to you. So let me establish some points here before we really understand who are the sheep. Right? You already heard me touch upon it. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. A very important statement. Yahweh is my shepherd, right? When Yahshua comes in and says, I am the good shepherd, do you think he's claiming to be God when we understand that Yahweh God is the good shepherd? Well, let me get a little bit more direct with this, actually. Here's a statement you may not have considered before. But it's found all the way in the book of Psalms. 23rd Psalm, right? You know this one? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Therefore, first or second point of the uh, Sunday morning is this. Yahweh is the shepherd. Right? Next Psalm. 100. Psalm 100. Verse 3. Very important to remember. Mark this in your Bible. It says... Know ye that Yahweh is God. Do you know that? Do you understand that Yahweh is God? He hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. So it should already start to make some sense here. We're not dealing with sheep. We're not dealing with goyim. We're not dealing with animals. We're dealing with people. And therefore, Yahshua would have to come and say this. These were Pharisees. The word Pharisaeus in the Greek means separatist. And there's nothing wrong with being separate when Yahweh God says, come out from among them and be ye separate. But who's the them in that context? Not your own Israelite men, women, and children. And time and time again we saw that. While the Pharisees professed to be Abraham's seed, while they sat in Moses' seat and espoused the law, they never exercised it again. The will of God is that all men come to repentance. But we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Therefore, we are sheep, right? But 
I really want to drive this point home. In Isaiah chapter 53, we read another statement very similar. This is the 30-fold suffering of the Messiah that is transcribed in the book of Isaiah. His reception of men and women. Isaiah 53, verse 2. For he, referencing Yahshua, shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He shall have no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Now already knowing that of Yahshua, that to look upon him, he's not a Robert Redford, that there's nothing physical to desire, that is, unless you desire truth, whom Yahshua is. Remember that there's no beauty that we should desire him. Opposite of sin. Opposite of Satan. Satan was the anointed cherub that covereth, correct? But the day he fell was because there was beauty within him. He was lifted up because of his beauty. Yeshua did not have the ability to be lifted up because, right here, we just covered it. There was no form nor comeliness, and there's nothing to be desired if you were to see him. Verse 3. He is despised and rejected of men a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised. And we, the Israelites, esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs, and carried out our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Imagine the irony that Yahshua was sent for the salvation of his beloved bride, Right? And the bride sat there screaming out, give us Barabbas, saying if this was the Son of God, well, God would miracle him down from the cross. It's exactly what we're learning right here. He was smitten of God and afflicted in the minds of the Israelites. A majority of the world could not understand that is until after the fact, when the veil of the temple was rent in two. Right? Verse 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. Our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes, we are healed. With his stripes, we are healed. Not with our own. Next verse, very, very important. With his stripes, we are healed, right? Why? All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and Yahweh hath laid upon Yahshua the iniquity of us all. So do you understand the irony of this? Whether, no matter where it was, in Simon the Pharisee's house, or here in dealing with the parable of the sheep, that Yahshua was already foreordained in the book of Isaiah to come. That we were already told that we were sheep, right? We are all like sheep. We have all gone astray. We have all turned everyone to his own way. And my friend, that ties all the way back to what we're covering here in Luke. The Pharisee had his own way and believed, hey, you know what? I can serve Yahweh God how I choose to. But that, my friend, is not found within Scripture. Those that worship Yahweh God must worship him in truth, spirit and truth. So never neglect that. The Pharisees worshipped him in spirit, or so they believed, but not as per the truth of God's word. And that is that all Israelite men, women, and children come to repentance. And who cares about the stranger? That's the point. The Pharisees or the Pharisaeus subjugated themselves out from their own race, the number one trait of the snake. Yahshua came for unity. Unity. So in Jeremiah chapter 50, we can read in verse 6. My people hath been lost sheep. Their shepherds have caused them to go astray. They have turned them away on the mountains. They have gone from the mountains to hill. They have forgotten their resting place. A polite way of saying they forgot their foundation. But the reason we as sheep are gone astray is because of the Pharisees. Therefore, Yeshua is dealing with the Pharisee. Is he not? And the Pharisee still, time and time again, is trying to keep particular women and men out of the kingdom. Those that they deem are sinful, like the older brother. I've been with Yahweh all along. I've been serving you. I have the law all along. But did they really? Did they really? No, Yahshua would say time and time again, you do not. You do not. My people have been lost sheep. We are lost sheep. And thus this terminology still exists today. People are sheep, and I'll tell you that. You can see that within this current election. Can you not? 
how they're able to influence the majority of the world, how they're able to influence Christianity, because people like to follow. So notice in this analogy, one was lost, one of the sheep, but the 99 were safe. The 99 had no need to be sought after. They were already repentant. They were already forgiven. Therefore, the will of God is to put aside everything else to go after that which is lost. And it should be the same exact way for you and I. They have gone from mountain to hill. They have forgotten their resting place. Verse 7, here in Jeremiah chapter 50, All that found them have devoured them. And their adversary said, We offend not, because they have sinned against Yahweh, the inhabitation of justice, even Yahweh, the hope of their fathers. Therefore, remove out of the midst of Babylon. Confusion. That's what the Pharisees should have done. And not only that, they should have recognized this. Do not understand this. Their job was to sit in Moses' seat and espouse the law. But yet the law was unfulfilled outside of Yahshua. And Yahshua fulfilled and added to that in the form of these parables. Polite rebukes. For example, you'd say, Therefore, I say unto you, by in adding to the law of God. So it is established that sheep, according to Scripture, are people, the Israelite people, right? Yeah, indeed you know this, because in Matthew chapter 15, <laughs> this is a verse that you have heard quoted time and time again within Christi uh, Christian identity. But it's important, because this is what Yahshua says. Verse 15, or uh, chapter 15, excuse me, verse 24. He answered, and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost, stopping right there, Yeshua is not sent, but to the lost. We, as preachers, are not sent, but unto the lost. Now granted, there is fellowship in preaching to the choir, but for the most part, our goal is to go after that which is lost. Lost in the world, and lost to their idea of what sin is, being a transgression of the law, or lost to their racial pedigree. So, I am not, Yahshua says, sent but unto the lost. Point one. I am not sent unto the lost, but sent unto the lost sheep. Second point. Yahshua came for lost, number one, sheep, Israelites. Very, very important. The Pharisees claim to be Israelites, but did everything they can do to keep their fellow Judeans out of the kingdom. But let's continue reading. I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house. Stopping right there. What does house mean but race, progeny? Just like from Genesis to Revelation, Yahshua says, I am only coming for the Israelite men, women, and children, as per the promise of Yahweh God. But more than just Israel and all Israel being saved, I'm coming for the sheep, those that recognize his voice and will follow, Yahshua says. And number three, lost. So if you're not of the house of Israel, if you're not a sheep, and you're not lost, Yahshua did not come for you. He answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Once again, sheep equate to people, and Yahshua came only for that specific group of people. So much so that he would even instruct his latter disciples to not go into the way or the homes of the Samaritan, but to go only unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now that is what Yahshua came for. And notice the terminology lost. If you believe you're found or you are found by someone else, Yahshua will not interfere with that. Just like he did in the home of Simon the Pharisee. He didn't come out and say you were wrong. But rather, he allowed him to continue in his deception of believing he had no sins to atone for. Meanwhile, the sinful woman that he looked down upon walked out with a blank slate. Her sins were forgiven her. The point of all of this is our reasoning usually is backwards. Why we think we have less to atone for? We have more to atone for. And that, my friend, is what I think we're starting to see in society today. Now, we like to delude ourselves into thinking, hey, they that are first shall be last in judgment. You really think that? No, it's in life as well. And we're starting to see that. Those that strive for money, for example, a desire of greed and filthy, filthy lucre, the root of all evil, right? The love of money? Well, 
they'll lose their job. They'll lose their IRA. That happens before they leave this world. Or if they sacrifice their family for a quote-unquote greater good, well, that also happens. They reap what they sow. Their children don't know them, and their children turn from them. So to really describe what's being said here, I want you to turn to St. John, chapter 10. And many of you about this time will be saying, well, why St. John? There's no parables in St. John. Indeed, there's no specific parables that appear only within John. But there are valuable second and third and fourth witnesses to be found within the Gospel of St. John. In chapter 10, verse 1, Yahshua says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door of the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, is a thief and a robber. You think that could be the Pharisees? Considering that Yahshua says, I am the good shepherd, and the Pharisees denied him, God in flesh form? Remember, the Pharisees record Isaiah, unto us a child is born, unto us a child is given. The only difference is, they denied Yahshua as he, the kinsman redeemer, the kinsman victor. So Yahshua says, anybody who enters not by the door into the sheepfold, right in the front door, they'd want to come another way. They want to have their own Bible. They want to have a different twist on what Swift, Compare, or Butler taught, right? They want to come in and call them wrong, never having to prove them wrong. Because that, my friend, leaves open the illusion that they are pious, they are righteous, they have a special position with God. But all it should say to you and I in this latter era is these particular people are Pharisees. Yahshua is the good shepherd, right? Verse 2. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth him out. Very, very important, because Yahshua would say, I am the good shepherd. My sheep hear my voice. Moreover, the voice of a stranger they will not hear. Do you ever stop to think and question why it is that Yahshua would say, go only to Israel? I'm sent only unto Israelites? But yet, don't. <laughs> Hearken unto the voice of a stranger in ethnos? Listen only to the voice of your shepherd? Once again, we see that common vein through all the parables, do we not? Those coming in and saying, Lord, Lord, I profess to be faithful, but yet being cast out by Yahshua. Why? Because they are a thief and a robber. They are not the good shepherd. Only, according to verse 3, the porter openeth to the sheep. And not only that, the sheep, that you and I, we already established that, Yeshua's people, we hear his voice. Therefore, the sinful woman in Nain heard his voice and repented and was forgiven. But the Pharisee did not. Therefore, in this parable of the sheep, we see the same exact analogy. Verse 4, And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. That's the point. We follow Yahshua. So in all of these analogies, who follows Yahshua? The Pharisee or the sinful tax collector? Or the prostitute? Right? Therefore, Yahshua, once again, is not coming in and saying, go out and sin. You have free license to do whatever you want. But what Yahshua is saying is, do not be lifted up into pharisaical thought. Because the second you believe that you're better than the sinful, you have sinned. I cannot stress this enough. But, verse 4, when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goes before them. The sheep follow him. For they know his voice. That's why we recognize Yahshua. The word is truth, John seventeen seventeen, Right? All those saints are slain for the word of God in the book of Revelation. Those saints are those that follow Yahshua, the shepherd, the good shepherd. You want to be a saint, then obey. That sinful woman that was forgiven in the parable of the two debtors was more a saint than Simon the Pharisee, based on deduction. But not only do we, his sheep, follow him because we understand his voice, or a polite way of saying recognize truth, which Yahshua claimed to be. Verse 5, here in John chapter 10 says, A stranger will they not follow, but they will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. Interesting statement, don't you think? We do not follow the voice of a stranger in Athmo, somebody who is non-Israelite. So, an argument could even be made that even at Yahshua's time, most of these Pharisees were not Judean, not of the tribe of Judah, but already tear sown in amongst the wheat. 
Of course, we can prove that from John chapter 8, where he tells them they are of their father, the devil. They are strangers, that's the point. If they are the tares in Yahshua's parable, then we must never lose sight of the fact that an enemy hath done this. An enemy sowed them in. Therefore, they are children of the bastard and the whore, are they not? They are not the children of Yahweh God. And what does that make them? Strangers, the point in all this is listen to the good shepherd. Don't listen to the Pharisees. Because the Pharisees aren't entering in. That should be apparent from all the parables. No time do the Pharisees enter in. Verse 6, this parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not which things they were, which he spake unto them. They didn't understand exactly what we're saying here. And this is something I deal with in my own ministerial career oftentimes. Sometimes people will say, hey, you know what, I don't really understand what you're preaching there. There's nothing wrong with that. Meditate on it. Think on it for a while. And oftentimes, if you prayerfully ask Yahweh God to provide you an answer, he will give you that answer. For example, the answer's right here. We're in St. John chapter 10. But it's here that the parable of the Good Shepherd is reiterated. It's here where it's explained. Not in Matthew, not in Luke. But the parable of the Good Shepherd ties right into the parable of the sheep. If Yahshua is the Good Shepherd and we are the sheep, that is what we need to focus upon. Verse 7, Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. I am, says Yahshua, the sacred name of God. And I am, or that great I am, Yahshua, is the only door to the sheep. Do you understand why Yahshua would say, narrow is the way, and few there be that find it? Very simple, actually. The way, that path, well, the door is who? Yahshua. So if you go through the wrong door, you're already screwed. Yahshua is the door of the sheep, or the Israelite people, you and I. The mediator, verse 8. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. All, says Yahshua. All. Does he disclude Isaiah? Does he disclude Jeremiah? No, he does not. That is the point. Yahshua fulfilled the law. And while he said, I did not come away to do away with nor destroy the law nor the prophets. Remember that Yahshua says all that ever came before are thieves and robbers. Meaning that many... Most assuredly, the Pharisees strive to keep people out. He already said it. The same as a thief and a robber, because they don't enter into the front door. They come up their own way. Oh, they're not ordained by Butler. No, they come in and just espouse to be CI. And then suddenly, every single sermon they do is a Christian identity vision or a Christian identity view on Adolf Hitler. I wonder why they would do that. Maybe because they want to appear as Christian identity. Do you not think for a moment the Pharisees did the same exact thing? They gave the outward illusion. They say, yeah, I'm one of the faithful too. But all the while, they denied Yahshua. And not only did they not accept Yahshua, they didn't recognize him as the shepherd. That's why he says, everyone that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. The sheep, you and I, we did not hear them. Why? Verse 9, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. And so go in and out and find pasture. In and out. Freedom. True freedom within Yahshua. So understand this analogy as well. Yahshua says you can be a servant to mammon or a servant to Christ. Slave to mammon or a slave to Christ. But either way, even though you're a free thinker, <laughs> you're going to serve one. But there is true liberty in serving Yahshua. And the Jews understood that. That's why they say, we're not in bond to any man, right? But yet they were bonds to themselves. Yeshua says in verse 10, here in John 10, The thief cometh not, but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Stopping right there. Do you understand that? That is their purpose. That's all they can do. Steal, kill, and destroy. Steal that seed, steal that truth, or steal your ministry and attempt to shapeshift and claim to be what you are. Or to steal. To kill and destroy. What greater way of destroying the works of Yahshua than coming in and defiling it, saying Yahshua claimed to be equal to God. Therefore it stands in this day and age as well. What greater way of defiling CI than presuming to speak for it when you're not accepted within it? So when it comes down to it, Pharisees still exist nonstop. Yahshua says the thief comes not, but if he does come, he comes for these three things, to steal, kill, and destroy. Only 
not to come along and spread cheer, but to do that. It does not matter if he smiles in your face. The end result of the thief or the false prophet is to steal, kill, and destroy, to keep you out of the kingdom. Now, what does Yahshua come for? He says, I am. (laughs) Come, that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. For the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Now do you understand why Yahshua would leave the ninety and nine and go after the one into the wilderness? Into a dangerous position. Because the good shepherd will give his life for his sheep. Now who's the sheep in this allegory? The Pharisees and the scribes as well, in addition to the sinner. But Yahshua saw them all equally. Yahshua saw them all of, as sinners. Period. Of course, they were to varying degrees, but the Pharisee, like Simon, and the Pharisees and the scribes at the beginning of Luke chapter 15, saw no fault within themselves. They're unable to ever see fault. Therefore, Yahshua says, I am come that they, Israelites, might have life. They might have it more abundantly. Why? Because he is the good shepherd. Also, pay close attention to verse 12. He says, He that is an hireling, and not the shepherd, who don't own the sheep, they see the wolf coming, and they lead the sheep, and they flee. And the wolf catches them, and scattereth them before the sheep. Remember, Yahshua would say a very important statement in the Gospel of Luke. You know this one, right? He says, beware of false prophets, Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. He says, beware of false prophets, for they appear as what? There are wolves who appear in sheep's clothing. Sheep terminology. Therefore, a tear looks like a sheep. Well, we could say a goat looks like a sheep. A tear looks like wheat. And a Pharisee, for all intents and purposes, because of the uniform he wears, looks like you and I. So it stands today. You must use discernment to understand that. Not everyone who comes in says, hey, you know what, Yahweh's my God. The Jews claim that. Does that make them your brother? The Pharisees claim that. Did that make them Yahshua's brother? No, what made persons, brothers and sisters to Yahshua in the New Testament, was their ability to repent, to recognize that they were wrong. And so, as time is getting away from me, if you have a gospel according to Thomas, please turn to the 106th statement. And it is here where we're going to reiterate what we've already covered in Matthew chapter 18, Luke chapter 15, and also St. Luke chapter 10, and the very different parable of the Good Shepherd. And I will cover the parable of the Good Shepherd in its entirety in upcoming months, because it is different. In uh, the 107th statement of the uh, Gospel of Thomas, Yeshua said, The kingdom is like a shepherd with 100 sheep. One of those sheep, the largest, wandered off. He left the 99 others behind and went looking for the other one until he found it. And having exhausted himself, he said to the sheep, I love you more than the other 99. I love you more than the other 99. So let's put this in modern day terms. If we own five Blu-ray discs and we lose one and it's gone for years, And we watch those four over and over and over and over. Chances are pretty good that when you find that one that is lost, you will love it more because it's been gone so long. That is the proper mindset the father had it in the prodigal son. The father had it, and the son did not recognize it. The older brother Judah did not understand when Israel came back as the prodigal son. And his father, Yahweh God, says, let's kill the fattened calf. Let's kill and give him the thing or kill the the finest lamb. Let's give him the finest rope, put a ring upon his finger. The Pharisee, if you will, would have been Judah in that analogy, the older brother, the Judeans, and come in and say, wait, I served you my entire life. This man went out and enjoyed the seasons of sin. But yet, here's the point. If you serve Yahweh God your entire life, good to you. Kudos to you. That's why Yahweh, or Yahshua at least, would not condemn the Pharisees. That was between him and God, Simon, if he was truly serving God. But these people, when they are repentant, who are we to stop them when our main goal is to bring them in? 
So there is one variation here in the Gospel according to Thomas, and that is that it is the greatest and the fattest calf. One of those sheep, the largest, wandered off, and he left the 99 others and went looking until he found that one. Now, why would he love it more? Perhaps because the 99 were already in a good position, and we've already covered it. If Yahshua is the good shepherd, and his sheep hear his voice, and moreover, the voice of a stranger they will not follow, then that and that alone is sufficient while Yahshua is away. Time and time again in the parables, we see this analogy. The marriage supper of the Lamb, for example. The virgins, they fall asleep while the master tarries. Therefore, the 99 that were left behind were already in a good enough position. And not only that, should not have kvetched and should not have bitched about their position. When one comes back, after all, do we not understand that even the angels in the throne of Yahweh God, all of these people... Our forefathers, patriarchs, our brothers and sisters in the kingdom rejoice when one that is lost is found. And therefore, this is how we should know a genuine CI pastor from a false one. A genuine will come in and his desire is for all the mainstream, everybody who is an Israelite, man, woman, or child, to hear the truth of Yahshua. And then the Pharisee, the separatist, will not. They come in and they say, Yahshua did not come for you. Yahshua does not know you. Yahshua does not recognize you. Moreover, I can be the judge and judge you as non-white. I can judge you as this or that. (laughs) And all the while, what we know from the parables is people with that mindset will not be found within the kingdom. And so, for those of you who actually found the super secret bat cave, thank you for swinging by. I'm glad that even a few of you guys came over. I do want to reiterate, now at the conclusion of this broadcast, that this next upcoming week, I will be appearing on Yahweh's Truth, as usual, number two for the month of March, alongside Dr. James P. Wickstrom. But so also will I be appearing on Eurofolk Radio alongside an old friend of mine, Andrew Carrington Hitchcock, for another interview into actually my passage into coming into truth. And I'm sure many of you would like to hear that because I, unlike a majority of other preachers, don't spend too much time speaking of self. There is no self. That's the point. The Pharisees say, oh, I'm not going to touch a sinner. I'm not going to do this, right? But yet Yahshua would do all of those things even if it meant his death. So if you're able to, and you're free next week, be sure to swing by covenantpeoplesministry.org on the World Wide Web, and you can stay abreast of current shows that I'll be doing. I'm actually looking forward to going to Eurofolk Radio and preaching to a whole new flock, and hopefully some of those will come over. And to be able to tell my story, as dismal and depressing as that may be. But we covered several things about the parable of the sheep tonight. And let me interject that in the Gnostic book titled Gospel of Truth, very hard to find, but copies do exist, in the Gospel of Truth, in the 31st and the 32nd statement, we see a fifth witness to the parable of Yahshua's sheep that we covered. And time does not allow me to cover that today, but it is more or less similar to what Thomas said. The greatest, most choicest sheep was lost. Therefore, we forsake everything else. Let's not neglect to do that. If your priorities are correct in the eyes of Yeshua, then you will sacrifice everything else to go after that pearl of great price, to go after that prodigal son, to go after that one lost sheep. Why? Your father, my father, Yeshua, Yahweh in flesh form, said, I am come to call the lost to repentance. I am come to find that which is lost. So very important. Those that seek to scatter are not his sheep. They are sowers of discord, and Yahshua hates them in the form of Yahweh God. And those that seek unity and want to have all the sheep within the sheepfold are most likely they that recognize Yahshua's voice, will follow, and moreover, will not hearken unto the voice of the stranger, the Pharisee, or even the non-white Israelite, or the non-Israelite. So when it comes down to it, do the same. Do likewise. That's my advice. Don't be like the Pharisees. This is why they avoid the, the uh, parables, because the parables should be self-condemning when we read them. 
You're not supposed to re- read the parables and come away and say, damn, I'm so much better than uh, Mary Magdalene. I'm so much better than these particular players. I'm so much better than the Samaritan. You're supposed to come away and say, damn, that Samaritan, that sinner, they were greater than I am in the eyes of Yahshua. So the point is, the judgment of man is contrary to the judgment of Yahshua. Yahshua extends grace. That's what we saw in the case of Adam all the way until now while we're living on borrowed time. So thank you for joining me, and I hope to hear from you in the upcoming weeks. Until next time, this is Pastor Visser from Brooks, Georgia, and the Covenant People's Church, wishing you and yours great studies, war for Christ. Amen.